Welcome to Journey. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Ken, and I want to say welcome to those watching online. We have some uh, special individuals who watch every week with us, and and I mean special because they're special to me. I love you. I'm glad you guys are watching. Um, Yesterday was Veterans Day, and I just think it would be a great thing for us to do before we go any further in the service to recognize all of our veterans and those who maybe even currently serve. I know there's some watching online. I want to give a, a shout out to them as well. And, and we appreciate you guys. If you are a veteran or, or maybe you even are currently serving, would you stand to your feet? We want to honor you, acknowledge you, thank you, pray over you. Yes, would you please? Go ahead. Yeah. And, and you may be seated because I know, <laughs> I know in the first service, as soon as they stood up, they're like, can we now sit down? Because I don't, I, don't, I don't like this. I don't like, but we want you to know we do honor you. We appreciate you. And we know that, uh, you know, the liberty that we have here in this country comes at a great cost. And, uh, and you guys have seen things, and ladies, not just guys, you've seen things and you've experienced things, and, and um, our, our heart is for you. We love you, we appreciate you, we honor you, and we want to pray over our veterans today and pray, you know, even over those who are serving right now. Um, my friend Dominic is usually watching, and he's uh, serving in New Mexico right now on a base there, and we, there's others as well. Can we just pray not only for our veterans, but for those who are right now at this very moment serving in places all over this world? in ways that we can't even imagine to to keep our freedoms real. Father, we thank you. First of all, we bless those even in this room today who have have at great cost and at great sacrifice given their best when they were called upon to serve and to protect their country. And God, we thank you for them. We bless them. We pray, God, that you would bring healing to memories and that you would uh, bring healing to, to bodies even. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would protect them and provide for them. And God, we pray for even uh, men and women who are at this very moment serving in ways that we don't even know. God, would you be with them? God, would you give them courage and hope and strength? God, would you help them even in this moment to experience your firm support and your gentle love and your compassionate healing? God, would you uh, cause them to be surrounded by the presence of Christ and the protection of the Holy Spirit? God, would you lead them uh, in in every uh, aspect of their lives? God, would you open doors and close doors? And Father, would you cause them to know Jesus more and more than they ever have before? We bless them and we thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you again. We love you. Can we just say one more time to our veterans, for those who are serving, we love you guys. We bless you in Jesus' name. Hey, we started a series uh, last week called Last Days, and uh, if, you've, if you've been around in church world, you've heard, you've heard this, but even outside of church world, right? Like, I mean, the end is near and, and all this kind of stuff. Like, what is this all about? What does the Bible actually have to say about last days? And so last week, without even looking at the book of Revelation, we talked about the, the, the fact that in the New Testament, there are five different New Testament writers who write about the last days, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to tell us, to give us comfort, to help us to be alert regarding the last days. But then on top of that, 
There's five different Old Testament writers, mostly prophets, who also writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit talked about the last days. And so the last days is a concept, it's a, it's a thread that is woven throughout scripture and it's there to help us, to, to encourage us, to give us hope and to equip us for the here and the now of, of how we should live right here and right now. And so I just wanna encourage us that when, as we're talking about the last days that there are events that all of these scripture writers Writers, all of these authors told us that we can expect to happen in the last days. Last week, we talked about seven events that you can expect in the last days. The first one is that Christ reigns. And I think it's so important, we can't say this enough, to understand that in the last days, Christ is ruling and he is reigning. Jesus is over all and he is in all and he is with all. And so when we're coming against things, maybe we're seeing things on the news and we don't understand it. I'm not saying that Jesus is causing all those things, but he is working them all together to set the table for what he has said would happen in the last days. So we can trust that Christ is reigning. Secondly, last week we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit in the last days. That in the last days, God has promised that he will pour out his Holy Spirit. Third, we said an event that you can expect in the last days is persecution and tribulation. And we'll talk a little bit more about that even today, that, that that's just something we need to understand is gonna be part of the last days. Fourth, we talked about the harassment and the persecution and, and the attacks against Israel. And man, isn't that like right out of the news, right? And this isn't a new thing. Israel, even before it was a nation state back in the 1940s, like Israel has been harassed since its very conception. And we talked a little bit about that last week. In the last days, you can also expect the resurrection and, uh, of creation and of believers. Was that number six? Was I on number six? I think so, I don't even know. I'm way off my notes, number six. And, and, so, and then finally, we can expect the judgment of God in the last days. Oh, I missed one, and it's the one we're gonna talk about today, and that is the coming of our Lord Jesus, that Jesus is coming back. And so I didn't do that on purpose, but it's a great segue into Jesus is coming back, and we need to understand that. And so we're gonna look at John chapter 14 to begin with, and then if you're wondering, we'll go to Acts chapter one, and then we're gonna go to 1 Thessalonians chapter four, and we're gonna be all over the word of God today. But in John chapter 14, as you're turning there, or as you're clicking there on your uh, phone, uh, the setting is this, Jesus is sharing a last supper with his disciples, with his followers. Jesus knows what is about to happen. He knows that he's gonna be betrayed by one of his best friends. He knows that, that in that betrayal, he's gonna be arrested, that there's gonna be false charges that are gonna be lobbed against him. He knows that by this time tomorrow, he will actually be dead. Like, he knows all this. And so he's got these last moments to communicate some vital truths to his disciples. And in John chapter 14, verse one, in this context, he says these words. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Would you say that with me? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Now turn to the person next to you and say, do not let your hearts be troubled. If you're watching online, I hope you're joining along and you're doing this stuff with us. This is, listen, this is so important because Jesus, this is the heart of Jesus toward you. The heart of Jesus is that you would not walk in fear and anxiety and in stress. He wants for you to experience his peace in his presence. 
And so when he talks about the last days, he wants you to know, listen, this is not something that is supposed to provoke anxiety, that we can actually have hearts that are not troubled in what he is having to say. He says, trust in God and trust also in me, which is so key because in these moments of the last days, it's gonna be so easy for our attention to be diverted in different directions. And he's saying, listen, trust in God with everything that's going down, with everything that's going on, right? trust in God and trust also in me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. There is more than enough room in my father's home. I think he kind of says it. I think there's a little twinkle in his eye when he says this. Like, yeah, there's way more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that, and here's the key, so that you will always be with me where I am. Listen, this is the hope of eternity, is not just going to a place and not just seeing relatives who have gone before us, and man, I look forward to that, I can't wait for that, but ultimately, it's about being with Jesus. He says, so that you will always be with me where I am. We can look forward to this hope. In fact, for the last 2,000 years, followers of Jesus have looked forward to this hope that we will be with Jesus. I love that. He says, I will come again and receive you unto myself. I will come again and I will receive you unto myself. So, so a question is, how is Jesus going to come again? Like, what is this gonna be? Are we talking about a physical thing? Are we talking about that this is just some kind of conceptual thing? It's just, what, what, what is this gonna be like? Well, fast forward to Acts chapter one. And the context of Acts chapter one is Jesus has been crucified. He was put in a borrowed tomb. He was risen from the dead. And now he has spent 40 days appearing to different followers of Jesus and teaching them. And now he's at the end of that 40 days. And in Acts chapter one, he's giving them specific instruction regarding the Holy Spirit, telling them, hey, it, it is for your good that I go away. It's to your advantage, to your benefit that I go away. He says, he says, I want you to stay in Jerusalem. My father has a gift for you. You are gonna be baptized, immersed, drenched and soaked in and with the Holy Spirit. And then he says in Acts chapter one, verse eight, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. It's gonna be a power, not just for the heebie-jeebies, it's gonna be power to be witnesses. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then Acts chapter one, verse nine, the very next verse, right after he says you're gonna receive power, you're gonna be my witnesses, witnesses all over the place, it says, and after saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. And I just wanna pause right there, like what a moment that would be, right? Like you'll receive power, Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you, you're gonna be witnesses all over the place. Oh, you know, like I don't know what the soundtrack was, I don't know, the, you think there's probably light shine, and, and then in all the pictures, he's like this as he goes up, I don't know if he, I don't know what that was, I don't know why his hands had to be like that, maybe they weren't. Maybe he was striking a pose or doing some other kind of sign as he's going up, but, but he ascends. And, and this is so interesting that the disciples are all just staring up in the sky. I, have you ever, maybe when you were a kid, or may, maybe not, maybe this is just recently, have you ever been outside and you had a helium balloon 
and you let the helium balloon go and you watch it go up in the sky. How many of you have ever had that experience? You've ever done that? You've let a helium? See, I, keep your hands up because I want you, to, these are all litterers, okay? You guys are all litterers. You don't know where that balloon fell, probably choked some poor bird to death, okay? You should feel ashamed of yourselves. No, I'm, jo- I'm joking, I've done it too. And so you, you, you watch a helium balloon go up and in, especially as a kid, you remember, you're just like, oh wait, I think I still see it. Oh, no, I don't see him. Oh wait, there it is. You know, and you're doing this whole thing. Like the disciples are doing, in fact, the disciples, they're just staring up in the sky. Drool is coming down the side of their face and God is up in heaven. Uh, this, this is in the Greek, okay, Pro- I promise you. God is up in the heaven and he's just looking down. He's going, what are, what are they doing? Why, why are they still staring? Oh, these knuckleheads. Hey, angels, and he's like, I, just, I think it's just like, you angel, you angel, go down there and tell them to stop staring into the sky. Tell them to go do what Jesus told them to do. Look at, look at what it says, it says, as they strained to see Jesus rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them, men of Galilee, they said. I can just imagine the tone in which they said, men of Galilee, you knuckleheads. Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. Now here's the key. But someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Someday he will return from heaven in the same exact way that you saw him go. Man, I love that. That is such a hope. That's such an encouragement. So then you fast forward and now this is years later, okay? Now, now a guy who was going around hunting down Christians and persecuting Christians and locking them up, he got saved, y'all. This guy named Saul, his name's turned to Paul and Paul is now going around and he's teaching other Christians and he writes a letter to a group of Jesus followers in a place called Thessalonica and he wants to give them some hope because they're experiencing persecution and all the things that they thought would happen when they followed Jesus, the cupcakes and the unicorns didn't exactly go that way and he's trying to give them hope. And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul describes this event of Jesus' second coming. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. I I just want to pause right there. He doesn't say so that you won't grieve. He says so that you will not grieve like those who do not have any hope. Some of you are in this room and you've lost loved ones recently and I even have a friend that we were just praying about that and and listen, like we're supposed to grieve. We are wired to grieve. God wired us to grieve. Don't resist grief. Can I say that? Like Jesus was actually prophetically called a man of sorrows. Jesus was a, even though he was God, this God man wept. He wept over death, He, he wept over loss. There's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations, lament, grief. It could be called griefentations, or I don't know, I don't know how that would work, but like the whole book is Jeremiah grieving over what has happened around him, specifically the destruction of Jerusalem. Like, it is right to grieve. And grief, grief includes a lot of different emotions, right? And you, 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 but here's the deal. As followers of Jesus, we do not grieve without hope. 
Like we have hope, it's a tension. It's a tension of knowing that we have hope, but I miss this person, right? Yeah, that's just, I just wanted to include that. For, for, he says, for since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, which by the way, I just wanna ask you, do you believe that Jesus died and that he was raised to life again? Yes. We, we believe that, right? We also believe, he just assumes that you believe that. He also assumes that we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Like, we believe that Jesus died, we believe that Jesus rose again, we believe that he's coming again. And we believe when he comes again, he's gonna do some crazy stuff, right? Verse 15, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Isn't that amazing? By the way, that phrase where he says, we'll be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord, uh, th this was written in, in Greek, Paul would append this in Greek, years later, when it's translated into Latin, the Latin word for caught up is the word rapture. And so the word rapture isn't found in the Greek, but it's a translation of the Greek in the Latin, this idea of caught up. And then we will be with the Lord forever. Isn't that awesome? Verse 18 so scare people to death with these words. Is that what it says in your translation? So scare people to death with these words? No, no, yeah. so Paul says, so encourage each other with these words. It's amazing how churches and pastors and ministry leaders have tried to take this and, and they really do scare people to death with this idea. We, we're not to be scared, we're not to have fear over this, we're to be encouraged. Jesus is coming back. All will be made right. Come, Lord Jesus, come, right? Theologians call this event the rapture of the church. So, so here's a question that we have, and probably maybe you've wondered this question, when is this going to happen? When, when is this gonna happen? The short answer is we don't know. Okay, we don't, I don't know. And listen, anybody who claims to know, you should beware. Okay, someone tries to tell you the date that Jesus is coming back, probably they're trying to sell you something. So Jesus does help us though understand when we're in the ballpark of his second coming. This is in Matthew chapter 24. So if you wanna to turn to that, Matthew 24. Beginning with verse three, it says, later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives and his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will all this happen? So Jesus has been ministering, disciples have been doing all the stuff that they're doing, they're taking up roles, doing all this stuff, and so they're done, they're sitting, they're just chillaxing, and, and the disciples come up to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, psh, you've been talking about the last days, all this stuff, like, when is this all gonna go down? Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And Jesus told them, do not let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. There's gonna be individuals who are gonna claim to operate in the name of Jesus, but without the character of Jesus. 
and operating outside the truth of Jesus. And you can count on that. And we should beware. He says, they will deceive many. They're gonna twist the words of God. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but do not panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end will not follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation. Probably a better translation of that would be ethnic group is gonna rise up against ethnic group. He says kingdom will rise up against kingdom. That's more of what we think of when we think of nations coming against nations. And there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. Uh, you know, I was just thinking about that and wondering, you know, are, are earthquakes increasing and all this stuff? And so I went to the U.S. Geological website. You can, you can go there. And there was a video. We have fast forwarded the video just to, just to make it not take as long in our service. But in a moment, Preston's going to put this up here. This is beginning in 1900. That's the bottom left. You're seeing earthquakes and the purple is going to be tsunami activities. I'm going to narrate so you can just look at the, the map going on. We're now in the 1920s. And this is, again, showing you earthquake activity, tsunami activity. We're now in the 1930s. And uh, you're just seeing the years click by. We're now in the 1940s. These are earthquakes, tsunamis. We are now at 1952. And you're seeing some of the activity going on. We're now at 1960. And are you noticing the activity of earthquakes? Now in the 1970s. Now we're moving into 1980s. Now we're moving into the 1990s. Now we're in 2000. 2010. It's only going to go to 2020 because that's the data that they use to make this. Um, I, again, this is just reality. That, that this stuff is increasing. J- Jesus said you, there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. Verse eight, but all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. It's just the first of the birth pains. Um, I've never given birth. <laughs> That's shocking, especially in today, today's age. It's kind of shocking, right? Like, my wife has given birth three times, and, and I'll tell you, the first, the first time she gave, you know, like, women are stronger than men. Can we just be honest? Can we just... Yes, absolutely. You are so much stronger. And I remember the first time, because we didn't know, she didn't know what this is like. She had no idea. And the, the first contraction, right? And boy, now she would look back and she would tell herself, and if she was in this room, she's, you know, the worst was still yet to come, right? That first contraction is nothing. And Jesus says, listen, the, this is just the first of the birth pains with more to come. He goes on in verse nine. He says, then you will be arrested and persecuted and killed. Well, thank you, Jesus. That's, that's a real great way to get more people to follow you, Jesus. But he's telling us the truth. He's saying this is what it's gonna be. He says, you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Listen, there is a rising animosity. And, and not just to Christians, but to Jesus. There's a rising animosity. You can, you can use any other name. You can use the name of any other religious leader, but just don't use the name of Jesus. Or if we are gonna use the name of Jesus, we're gonna use it in a, in a deplorable way, right? I mean, think about how the name of Jesus is used in this culture. Either it's not used at all, can't use that name, or it's a name that's just used as, a, as an expletive. Think about symbols in this culture. You, you can use a symbol of anything, but it's, 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 when you start 
using the symbol of the cross? Oh no, you can't have that in a public setting. We'll take you to the Supreme Court. We'll make sure that that gets removed. You can do any other symbol. There's rising animosity. Many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. I said, I'm not right. This isn't me. This, isn't me. this is Jesus saying this 2,000 years ago. Many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Think about, think about the deception that exists today that, you know, it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you sincerely believe it. That is so stupid. When you really stop and think, I mean, it sounds, it sounds nice to say, oh, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you sincerely believe it. It does matter what you believe. Truth is still truth. There, you're so narrow-minded and bigoted to think that there's only one way to God. Ken, there's a whole diversity of ways. There's many paths that lead to God. Just pick your path. Well, then why did Jesus go to the cross? If there was just other ways, it wouldn't be nearly as costly. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Interestingly, the world is getting smaller and smaller, right? Technology is allowing for messages to spread throughout the whole world thanks to our smartphones. It's interesting, I've been to, I mean, just even recently in the Dominican, you can go to third world countries and it seems like everybody has a cell phone. May not be the latest, greatest model, but everyone is connected and, 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 and this message of the gospel is being communicated because of technology all over the world. Let's skip to verse 36. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the son himself, only the father knows. When the son of man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. And that is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. It's interesting, when you look at the days of Noah, uh, particularly in the Old Testament, obviously the event itself is described in the book of Genesis, but when you look throughout the Old Testament as the days of Noah are talked about, it's always talked about in relationship to the violence that was prevalent at that time. Can I tell you, one of the things that concerns me about the day we live is just the prevalence of violence. In fact, we're getting to the point where we're immune. You know, another shooting happened, oh, oh, Okay. I mean, it's just, it's, it feels like it's every day. The violence, that, and, and, and listen, it's, it's violence in our entertainment. It's violence in our video games. And I know my, even my own son just goes, oh, dad, please don't, don't get on that. But it, the, the amount, the, the display of the violence that's all around us. Let me, let me go back to what we skipped uh, earlier. Uh, let, go back to verse 21 in Matthew 24. For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. If you unpack the book of Daniel and compare what Jesus is saying here, Jesus seems to be referring to something called the great tribulation. Can you imagine, like, this time where there'll be such persecution, such tribulation. So, so what do we do with this? Now, some of you are like, oh, 
man, so glad for the encouraging message today. Jesus said this, this is something that we should not let our hearts be troubled at. This is something we should encourage one another with. So, so what's the good news in all this? What do we do with this? I just want to give you three real quick points. Number one is to live prepared. Live prepared. In the next chapter of Matthew, we've been reading from Matthew chapter 24, but if you go into Matthew chapter 25, Jesus shares a story about 10 bridesmaids. It'd be a great movie title, right? 10 bridesmaids. And these bridesmaids, back in that culture, they didn't, they didn't have a day set for the wedding. It would be when the bridegroom would come. The bridegroom would be away preparing a place. And then when he was ready, he would come. Such biblical language, right? He'd come. And so the bridesmaids were just waiting. And, and Jesus tells a story where five are prepared and five are ill-prepared. They're not ready. And when the bridegroom comes, the five who are not prepared are out actually trying to get more resources. And so what... They're left out of the party because they're not prepared. In light of Jesus' second coming, followers of Jesus, we need to be prepared. We need to be ready for Jesus' coming. We need to be active. This is, this is action-oriented. We need to keep our hands on the plow. This isn't a time to just relax. It's not a time just to sit and eat bonbons on the couch. I say that, I don't even know what a bonbon is, by the way. I guess. I should say Doritos, that'd be more of my speed. It's not a time just to, listen, this is a time that we are to be prepared. We are to be ready. We're to be doing the things that Jesus talks all throughout the gospels that we are to do. We need to be the people he's called us to be. Live prepared. Number two, live focused. While our hand is on the plow, we keep our eye on the sky. I love that idea. We're prepared, action-oriented, but we're also focused, meaning we're looking forward to the coming of our Lord Jesus. Can I tell you, I I haven't always done a great job at this. I've been pastoring for 25 years, and I, I, I hate to confess this, there's been whole seasons of those 25 years where because of just the reality of everything going on around us, I mean, we're, it seems like we're always moving. Life is so fast-paced. I remember when I was a kid before cell phones. Do you remember what it was like? Some of you don't remember this because you're too young, but some of you remember what it was to be bored? Do you remember this thing called boredom? I remember being a kid and sitting in the grass and just staring at the grass because I didn't have anything else to do. Staring at the grass. And after a few minutes, I noticed... There's bugs. What are those bugs doing? I think that bug's carrying something. You're, like, I mean, you're just so bored, you notice things. And, and I'll tell you, I think we've lived in such a fast-paced world and there's so much going on around us and so much activity and so much crammed into a day. Like, do we spend time going, come, Lord Jesus, come. I can't wait for you to come, Jesus. Luke describes a conversation where Jesus was speaking and and this is found in Luke chapter 21 beginning with verse 25 Jesus is speaking he says there will be strange signs in the sun moon and stars and here on earth the nations will be in turmoil perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides people will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth for the powers in the heavens will be shaken Then everyone will see the Son of Man, this was a reference to himself, 
Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. And I love verse 28. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up for your salvation is near. Live focused. And part of being, part of being ready is that we, we live prepared and we live focused. And listen, this is hope. This is hope, y'all. I always tell my kids, my kids roll their eyes because we have conversations at, at the dinner table. We, t- we talk about death quite a bit because death is a reality. I know some of you are like, really? Seriously, if my, they were in the first service, they tell you, we, we talk about death. We talk about what they should do when I die and all these types of things. And, and I just say, listen, if, if I get hit by a Mack truck on the way home today, don't be praying me back. Church, none of you all either, okay? Some of you have great faith. You don't need to be using your faith when I'm dead, right? Don't be, don't be praying me back. And I tell them, I said, your mom's gonna be okay. She's so cute. She's so beautiful. At the lunch at the funeral, she'll be eating her potato salad and there'll be, there'll be good looking guys coming up saying, I'm sorry for your loss. Uh, if you ever need anything done around the house, you know, just make sure to... I said, you take their number. Listen, the mortality rate, experts tell us the mortality rate still hovers right around 100%. We don't like to talk about it, but unless this hope happens, we're all gonna die. We don't, we don't wanna talk about it, we wanna sugarcoat it, we wanna go, we're all going to die. Thank you, Pastor Ken, appreciate that hope. But listen, I believe there's gonna come a day where all those statistics are gonna be shattered because Jesus is coming back. I wanna live prepared. I wanna be doing what I'm supposed to be doing, not doing what I'm not supposed to be doing. I wanna live focused. Number three, I wanna live unafraid. Jesus said, expect all of this. All these events that we've been talking about, this is how we know that we're in the ballpark. Earlier, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, encourage each other with these words. In fact, the most repeated commandment in scripture is what? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord is the most repeated commandment in scripture and it's imperative. So you better start rehearsing it. If you're you're not used to praising the Lord, you need to start praising the Lord. And don't just praise the Lord on Sunday mornings. When you're in your car, turn off the radio and just rehearse praising the Lord with your own words. But you know, the second most repeated commandment in scripture is do not be afraid or fear not. Fear not, do not be afraid. Listen, we don't need to be afraid. We're to live unafraid. We're to live unafraid. Man, living ready is living prepared, it's living focused, it's living unafraid. Maybe, maybe as I've been preaching this morning, as I've been sharing from God's word, we've been reading the words of Jesus and the words of Paul. Maybe as I've been talking about this, you find yourself feeling fear. Maybe inside there's just this thought, I'm not ready. If Jesus came back today, I'm not prepared, I'm not ready. Like, I, I want... This is not good news, Ken. My heart is troubled. I am afraid. Can I encourage you? You don't have to be afraid. You can be ready. You can know that you know that you know that whether you die on the way home from a car accident or whether the rapture happens and we're taken into the sky, you can know that you will be with the Lord forever. You can have that confidence. 
And so when things are going on around us and events are happening in the world, yes, we, we see what's going on and yes, we're concerned and yes, we're prayerful and yes, when we can respond, you know, in natural disasters or whatever, when we can respond and do the good that we can do, we do all those things, but we don't have to wig out. We don't have to get our panties in a wad and fearful and, oh. So I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet this morning. For those of you watching online, I want to challenge you as well. Maybe this is a time where maybe you've been ironing your clothes or doing something else, multitasking. Just for the next moment, if you're watching online, would you just kind of lean in, put some of that stuff to the side? I just want to ask you, are you ready? Are you prepared? Do you have hope when it comes to Jesus' second coming or do you have fear? Because you can't have hope. I'm going to ask you all over this room to close your eyes and bow your heads. We're not going to embarrass you this morning. I'm not going to point you out. But I do want to be able to pray with you. And maybe you're here and you say, Ken, I, I, I don't have hope. I, I just want you to know you can have hope as a follower of Jesus. Well, how do I become a follower of Jesus? You humble yourself and you say, Jesus, I've sinned against you. I've gone in my own direction. I've done my own thing. I know you have not been the master and leader of my life. I humble myself and I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins. I want you to be the master and leader of my life. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross, that you were risen from the grave and you are coming back. I need you in my life. I need you to lead my life. Again, we're not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you out. But if that's you this morning, I wanna be able to pray with you. If you're watching online, you can let us know online. But would you just raise your hand and just say, Ken, would you pray for me? Some of you are automatically, yes, I see you. Yeah, I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. After you've raised your hand, you can lower it. I see you back there. I see you right there. Yeah. I see you right there. I see you over there. Yeah. Anybody else? I see you right there. Yep. I see you over there. Anybody else? Anybody else? If you're watching online, let us know. Yeah, I see you right there, sir. Yeah. Guys, this is amazing. This is, this is why Jesus, he wants us to know that he loves, he loves us so much that he wants us to be prepared. He wants us to be ready, right? I'm gonna ask you to, to pray and I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, but th it's not this formula prayer that saves you. It's meaning these words in your heart. I'm gonna ask, in fact, I'm gonna ask everybody, whether you raise your hand or not, would you join me out loud in praying this prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe that he was crucified. He was risen. He was ascended. He's exalted and he's coming back. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I want to have peace with you, God. And I know it only comes through Jesus. Forgive me. Empower me to follow you, to live for you. Thank you for rescuing me from my sin. Thank you that one day I will be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's awesome. Yeah, we can, we can give God praise. Listen, I want you to know a couple things before we dismiss you. I just want you to know this. If, if you pray then you mean that, you've, you've been saved born again, whatever phrases you want to use for that, you've been saved. And here's what you need to know. The Bible says that at the moment you humble yourself and you receive the grace of God, there's several things that happen. You've been adopted into the family of God. You are now 
part of God's family, okay? Number two, scripture tells us in Romans chapter eight, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that's a big deal. We're gonna talk more about seals next week. But you've been sealed, which means nothing can separate you from God's love, all right? So you need to start moving toward him and there's some of the ways that you do that, first of all, on your connection card, if you would check, there's a place that says my next steps, let us know that you're starting a relationship with Jesus or you're reaffirming a relationship with Jesus. We have resources, we wanna get into your hands. We wanna help you to follow Jesus, all right? We, we're team you, we wanna, we wanna help you in following Jesus. And if you, if you mark that on your connection card, that'd be awesome. We have good looking people at the back with white buckets and you can stick those cards in the buckets. Secondly, in a moment, I'm gonna dismiss you. Not yet, but in a moment. And I'm gonna ask our prayer partners to come up right now. And as everybody else is leaving in a moment, would you take just a minute, and I know it's gonna be a fish swimming in against the stream, but when everybody else is leaving, you come up and you just tell the people that, that you're praying with, just say, hey, I, I, pr I raised my hand and I prayed that prayer. And here's what's gonna happen they're gonna be thrilled. Can we have some, maybe another uh, prayer, maybe you're not even scheduled today, but if you just come over here and to be available. And, and as, as everybody else is like, just come over and just say, hey, I prayed, I prayed that prayer. They would love to just take a minute. They won't take you your whole afternoon. They know you're hungry. Just to say, hey, can I just pray for you? Can I just pray with you and pray for you? Or, you would that be awesome, right? just to know, just to solidify that decision that you've made. And then I wanna let you know, you gotta come back next week. We're continuing the series, Last Days. We're gonna talk about, maybe you've, maybe you've heard, this is even if you're not, even haven't even been in church or read the Bible, you've heard of things maybe like the mark of the beast, or maybe you've heard of the antichrist. We're gonna get into some of that stuff next week. And so you wanna invite a friend to join you as we go more into this idea of what are the last days all about? What do we need to know about the last days? Finally, can I just let you know Jesus loves you? He doesn't want you to be afraid. He loves you. We love you. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you later.